Right, after that, then... Um, mm. It's going to be a bit serious tonight, actually. <laughs> Never mind. Um, I'll try and laugh in the appropriate places. So, yeah, as Mark, Mark said, my name's Philippa. I think lots of you might know me, some of you don't. I'm married to Dave, but that's not my identity, but just uh, I am his wife. We have three children, and, um, and now we have a dog as well, yes, which is a new addition, um, and I'll mention him later on. But he did take me out this week as we went for a run, and he dived across the road, and I fell flat on my face. But, you know, I still love him, yes. <laughs> so, I don't know about you, but um, we, in our house, we love Christmas, well, we do. We just love Christmas. I know, like, we're in, we're in church, aren't we? We are the church, as they would correct me now. And, and we just love celebrating the birth of Jesus and just all that that brings. But we also love, as a family, coming together. I love the food that we eat, the games that we play together, the decorations, the smell of the Yankee candle. You know, Christmas, what is not to like? And to be honest, it's only about 184 days away. So, you know, um, it might be full-blown sunshine out there, but Christmas is around the corner. But there is one little downside to Christmas in our house, and I'm sure other people have it, but I have the stress of buying presents. And it really is a stress because you want to get it exactly right, don't you? You know, I think we want to get the exact... So our kids have grown up. We want to get them the exact right present, what they just want. I mean, Dave always tells this sob story of when he was a child and they didn't have much money. And one Christmas, he got a pencil sharpener. I think he does exaggerate that one. But we don't want just to give our kids a pencil sharpener. So, you know, and, and, and most years it works. And I think, yeah, I've cracked it. We've done it. And then, you know, then another year comes. And, and, but sometimes we don't crack it and sometimes we get completely completely wrong and miss the mark and you know in our house Dave and I buy presents for each other and we get it hopelessly 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 wrong even just watch this clip of um so this is a comedian and this happened to me and Dave so I'll I always seem to get the rubbish I give people good things it's not that it's not that problem of you know I give people good I give my girlfriend an iPad you know what she gave me? She gave me a toothbrush! <laughs> so, eh, firstly, a cheeky cow, it's like giving somebody deodorant. This is... I wouldn't have minded an ordinary toothbrush, this is the monstrosity she got me. Well, we could carry on, it is very funny. The funnier thing was, was that particular year, that was part of the Michael McIntyre uh, show, was I'd bought Dave a toothbrush. <laughs> And he'd bought me an iPod. <laughs> when he opened his toothbrush, he was gutted. Yes. <laughs> but, I mean, he loves it, and he's pretty fanatical about cleaning his teeth, but he didn't really take it well. And then that came on, you know, and it was just like... Then there was the year I gave him a hose pipe. It was a good hose pipe. We didn't have a lot of money. It was on a reel... It was, it was quite nifty, um, and he gave me a pair of oven gloves. <laughs> Anyhow, so basically, 
we don't do well with gifts sometimes. Sometimes we do, but sometimes we don't. We always, always keep the receipts. So you see, now at Christmas, uh, my expectation of the gift that Dave's going to give to me, I know he loves me. I'm not in any doubt about that, but I know that sometimes he gets a bit nervous about buying presents and we doesn't quite get it. And, and so we don't have high expectations of each other's gifts. You see, because we've been disappointed. He was genuinely disappointed with his toothbrush. Um, and, you know, the toast pipe actually went back to the shop. Um, <laughs> So we've lowered our, our expectations for Christmas Day, for the surprises we might get for each other. Seriously, though, for a moment, have you ever been disappointed? Or are you disappointed at the moment? Are there things that you've been hoping for and praying for not quite worked out as you thought they would? You see, what I want to share a little bit tonight is a little bit of my own story in recent months and uh, you know I've not um, at the start of the year I said I, I didn't want to speak too much um, in, in the sites because I had quite a lot of work to do at school and God took me on a little bit of a journey as well and um, and I felt just as praying and I have free, free range I've not been tied into any topic I really felt God say to me just share what you've been going through or just share your story so far so if you you know, don't mind, that's what I'm going to do tonight and, um, and, and just sort of open myself up a little bit and, and, and hopefully maybe what I've, I'm sharing might resonate with you or with somebody that you know. Um, so there are times, aren't there, when we're disappointed and there are so many people, if you read through the Word, if you read through the Bible, so many people have been disappointed too. If you look in recent history in churches today, there are people who've been disappointed. Maybe that makes it easier to bear, or it's not just me, or maybe that, that doesn't help at all. See, imagine being Moses. Moses, prince in Egypt, but you know that your people are slaves, you see them being mistreated, you long to be able to set them free, you take things into your own hands, trying your own power, and then you end up 40 years in the wilderness. 40 disappointing years. To cut a long story short, you do lead the people out of Egypt, but there were disappointment after disappointment along the way. Back in September 2011, so seven years ago nearly, um, it was quite a memorable time in our lives. Um, different things were going on in the church. And we attended a conference with, with Richard and Judith in, in London. Um, and Bill Johnson was there, and Georgian and Winnie Banoff, and amongst others were speakers. And there weren't people that I knew terribly well. Um, but well, I didn't know them at all, really. I hardly heard of them. But, but that was a, a, a significant time for me. It was a time when um, people came together. It wasn't a huge number, and there was an absolute excitement to worship. It was, it was quite a significant time. Dave's mum had just died the very day of the conference, but we still were able to attend. And we really felt something, the tangible presence of God there. You know, prophetic word was given about a breakout in revival in England, that this was it, September 2011. People will look back 
back on that as a significant time. You know, and I was, I was so, so excited about all that God was going to do. You know, I just like, I, I just was like, yes, this is it. You know, I just, I was just full of it. You know, people look back to the times of encounter in 1994. If some of you might know whether it was the Toronto blessing, and they likened it to that. You know, and, and something really stirred in me, um, and my expectation levels rose, and I just came back. I was just supercharged. I believed beyond a shadow of doubt that I was going to see significant revival in Manchester. I believed that signs and wonders would be an everyday occurrence and would be breaking out. I believed that we were going to see afresh a sense of unity within and outside of the church. You know, I saw something of the future glory that John writes. If we just read him, and I'll just read it to you, in Revelation 21, 1 to 4, and I remember studying Revelation such a lot then and just so excited. He said, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and they will be Um, with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. It was so exciting. I say, yes, Lord, I can see. I can see. So what happened? What happened? Where are we now in 2018? And I just started to, to look back. And, you know, I've pursued God and I've been pursuing. I've been part of this church since 1984. <laughs> Might not look old enough, but I am. <laughs> and I probably do. But, you know, um, right from that very start and just have seen significant uh, changes within the church. But there was, I was expecting more. And this year I realized that seven years had passed and on the surface a lot seemed to be the same. You know, things didn't seem to have changed very much. And suddenly within me there was that sense of disappointment that that expectation that I'd started off with, that I'd run with, I realized I was starting to flag that I wasn't seeing what I expected to see and my energy levels were dropping. You know... um, so we've got three children and they're all a bit like sporty and um but Jess our our daughter is a bit of a runner and and she does she does marathons okay well she's done four marathons but she 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 runs it's what makes her feel good some people it does that too some people it makes them feel bad um (laughs) but I anyhow she she did you know she's done marathons and and on the marathon, so we've looked into it and I, we've encouraged her and everything. But everybody, I'm sure lots of you know that in a marathon or in, in lots of running, you can hit the wall, can't you? That you, you hit this wall and that's when things start to fall, about, fall apart a bit. Your legs apparently feel like concrete. Your breathing grows laboured. Your strides turn into a shuffle. Negative thoughts flood your mind and the urge to quit is overwhelming. And it's never at the start and it's never... Never when the finishing line is in view. It's always in the middle. Past the excitement of starting, but still some way to go. And when I was thinking about that, I thought, you know, in some ways I felt I'd hit 
the wall that I was starting to flag. You see, I from from that little Spurgeon in 2011, I'd like set off at a sprint. Um, you know, I was at absolutely everything. So I would be at every meeting that there possibly was, um, you know, and, and I, I just loved it. You know, I, I was just had such a high expectation. I remember that somebody had a dream that when, and this was a prophetic dream, that she dreamt that people, when they came into the top floor at King's House, were overwhelmed by the presence of God and just fell, just fell on their faces because of the, the heaviness of the presence of God. And I, I thought that, that that was it, that that was about to happen. And, and I didn't want to miss it. You see, just being honest with you all, I expected the city to change. I expected the church to change. I set my own agenda about what I expected and when I expected it, and I was disappointed. So you see, people weren't turning to God in their droves. My neighbours still aren't warm to the gospel. At school, I, I teach full time. And, and if we're honest, discipline is getting worse. And, and students are more stressed and, and more challenged and overwhelmed by their circumstances. Healings, you know, we have seen healings. But we know that there's so much more for us to see. There's so, so much more. You know, healings aren't commonplace in the way that we'd love it. I mean, even, you know, for us in our family, you know, Dave, um, out of the blue, really, needs a complete new hip. So in, in six weeks' time, he, he's all signed up to go and have his hip replaced, although we're still believing, you know, as he said, that God will heal him. You know, and if I'm really honest, God has seemed silent at times. I don't know if, if that's ever been your experience, where you just feel you're reaching out to God, you're praying, and you just, you just feel God where are you? You know, I've prayed, I've cried out to him at times, and, and I've just, why? Why is this not happening? Why, God? And, 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 and I felt that sometimes, not always, but sometimes it's just like there's been that mute button, and I haven't heard God, and his God has seemed silent. How are things for you today? You know, I'd hit my wall, Maybe things are going really well for you and, and you know God and hear him like you've never heard him before. And that, that's just great. And, and, and I'm excited for you. And I don't want to discourage you. You think, oh no, how long is this going to last? Um, but so, for some of you, that might not be the case. You know, some of you, that might not be the reality. And like me, there are times when you've hit that wall of disappointment, you felt overwhelmed. And if we're completely honest, you start to tire and wonder about giving up. Paul, Paul, the Apostle Paul in the Bible, experienced what it was, didn't he? We all well know the story of, of his conversion on the road to Damascus and when he, he'd been persecuting Jesus and, and on the road to Damascus he had this amazing encounter and, um, and he, his life was overturned and he, he became a follower and he lived happily ever after or not. In 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23 to 28, this is what happened to Paul. He says, I've worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, 
being flogged more severely, being exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with the rod, with rods, and once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. Oh, perhaps things aren't so bad for me then after all, you know. I've labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Beside everything else, I face daily the challenge and pressure of my concern for all the churches. So that was Paul, you know, after this amazing conversion, what, what he, happened to him. I was reading recently about Mother Teresa, and I, I, was, I was surprised and um, I read a few things, but basically, although she publicly proclaimed that her heart belonged entirely to the heart of Jesus, she wrote to a spiritual confidant in September 1979, and there are letters um, to validate this. She's, she wrote, Jesus, to this guy, Reverend Michael Vanderpeet, Jesus has a very special love for you. As for me, the silence and emptiness is so great that I look and do not see, listen and do not hear. The tongue moves in prayer but does not speak. Mother Teresa had a deep crisis of faith that lasted for 40 years of her life. She felt alone and in a deep state of spiritual pain. There were many letters that, which she asked to be destroyed that showed her fighting feelings of darkness. So you see, Moses... Paul and Mother Teresa in recent history, it's not unusual then or even something to be ashamed of. Are you looking for breakthrough and the breakthrough isn't coming? What next? What, what can we do? Well, I've come up with three options. So I'm quite a practical sort of person. So we're faced with this wall. We feel God's not, we're just not getting through or things aren't just going the way we, th we want them to go, we can either turn around and give up, and people do, if we're all honest. I know people who've had massive influence on my life, um, really encouraged me in the faith, who have given up. We can like climb over the wall, like do our very best and just really cling on there, or we can break through. And that's what I really feel is the key, that we need to break through, that this, although it, it, this isn't the way we should be, we shouldn't have this wall in between us and God, we shouldn't be flagging, we shouldn't have this, this feeling of silence, that there is breakthrough there. And I've been really praying about that, and I, I really feel there's no magic solution. There's not like the ABC, this is what you can do. Um, I've read a book, um, God on Mute, which excellent book, excellent book, uh, where God is in the silence. Um, but at the end of the day, do you know, there's not this magic formula. But the thing that God really laid on my heart, and the th there's a few things I just want to share tonight just to help us. And if, you know, you might be going through it or you might know somebody else is. But the first, very first thing that I, God just said to me, he said, just look to me. Look to Jesus. That is it. Looking to Jesus is where you're going to see the breakthrough. 
That's not easy, is it? Not easy when you feel that God's, you know, that things are, we're not like communicating like we used to do. But we've got to realize that God longs for us to set our hearts on him. He wants us to trust in his goodness, even in the midst of our own deepest disappointments. And he doesn't mind it all if we tell him how disappointed we are. That's our relationship with him because he's our good father. And that's what we need to do. We can't understand, you know, we can't understand why different things are happening. I can't understand why things that I've been praying for that are clearly in line with his will, why they've not happened. And so I've told him and I've taught this through because we've got to, that's got to be the relationship. Otherwise, I'm going to just feel like... God, and get resentful. And I've just poured out my heart to God. I just don't understand why. You know, I've just earnestly sought you and I don't understand why things aren't happening. You know, in Exodus, when Moses was talking to to God in Exodus 5, he returned to the Lord and said, Lord, why, Lord, have you brought trouble on this people? Is this why you sent me? Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he's brought trouble on this people, and you've not rescued your people at all. Why, God, why? And that was the cry of my heart. Why, God? You see, God can handle us telling us about our disappointments and heartache. He's the one who can reassure us. I think what's harder is when we don't share them with him. Your circumstances might never, ever change. We have to learn to trust God in spite of our disappointment. You know, sometimes God's way of doing things is difficult for us. If only he would keep to my schedule that I've laid out, things would be good. But remember, he is a good, good father. Recently on a Sunday morning, we've had a... So with Dave, we lead um, the site in, in Central in the, uh, that meets here on a Sunday morning. We had a wacky time this morning, International Sunday. Uh, so there was probably 400 here. But I think we've done a pretty good job of cleaning up. It's like, yeah, Dave was here at the front barking instructions, you know, like table number one down there. And so anyhow, we, we, it, it was a fabulous time, really good time. But on, on Sunday mornings, we've been having quite a few prophetic words about breakthrough and particularly in the line of work. And we've seen tremendous testimonies about provision of jobs in different areas. But on this particular Sunday, the word wasn't that there would be breakthrough, but it was somebody who brought the word. But the word that she said was that in waiting, even in our disappointments, we must look forward and look to Jesus. And that really confirms something that God had been speaking to me in my heart, that we need to, whatever is going on, however impossible things look, if we look to God and look to Jesus, things become, get better, in, more in perspective. Let me tell you about one of our students in Central who told us her story recently. Sasha applied to do medicine. She just knew that God had a place for her here in Manchester. She applied to universities and all of them rejected her. But she still believed and still believed and prayed for a place in Manchester after being rejected. She just kept looking to Jesus constantly. She says she just kept trusting. Some days later, she received a letter in the post telling her that she had a place. They'd always intended to give her a place. It had just been an administrative error. 
amazing. And she's about to start her third year in August. You see, as we focus on our disappointment and despair and turn our eyes off Jesus, we just keep adding another layer of bricks to the wall. The wall gets higher, the impossible becomes impossible, expectation drops and disappointment grows. But if we focus on Jesus, that wall starts to look smaller, the bricks actually start to fall away, the impossible actually becomes possible. As we focus on Jesus, our attention is on him and not on our circumstances it can seem hard and it isn't easy, um, particularly it's when things aren't going so well. Floyd McClung, who's a, quite a famous guy and lives in South Africa now, he described it like this. He said, you wake up one morning and your spiritual feelings are all gone. You pray and nothing happens. You rebuke the devil, but it doesn't change anything. You have friends pray for you and nothing changes. You fast and nothing happens. What's the matter with me? Job, Job 23. Job, a man who hit a massive wall of disappointment in the Bible, we read about him. He puts it like this, I travel east looking for him, I find no one. Then west, but not a trace. I go north, but he's, he's hidden his tracks. Then south, but not even a glimpse. Then just look at the next statement. What a display of trust and focus on God. But he knows where I am. This is Job. He knows where I am and what I've done. This is in the message translation. Wherever he went, he couldn't find him. But Job's statement of faith and trust was, he knows where I am and what I've done. The reality is this. You might not feel that God's still there but he hasn't abandoned you. And it's important, however you feel, that you continue to look to him. Sometimes, like Job, you might find it hard to find God. How much harder is it to hear him and to see him when we aren't even looking to him? Um, One of the things that I struggle with is hearing. Okay, my my hearing, I've had it tested and, and they say, yes, I do have problems and I do need hearing aids, but I haven't actually taken that step of, of getting them. And so you can get by, although it's getting harder and harder, but the, and, and really my apologies if this has ever happened to you, but if you've been in a conversation with me, particularly in a group setting, I might nod in the wrong place, all right? Because rather than keep saying pardon, I just like nod and just hope I'm nodding in the right place. Oh dear, is that an oh dear? So yeah, I don't always hear what everybody is saying all the time. And admitting it is quite difficult, but now I've done it in between here. So we all know, you know, speak loudly, make sure your lips are moving and, and she'll hear Shame for the whole thing. But anyhow, but it it is becoming more difficult. And what happens is I actually sort of, particularly in a group setting, I'll I'll tend to fall silent after a while. I just lose the gist of the conversation. Well, that's fine in a group. But it's when you're on a one-to-one, it's a little bit more difficult if you're not quite hearing what the other person's saying. Now, Dave knows I'm going to tell this story. So he's, he's, I wouldn't say he was okay with it, but he's like said, okay, you know, he said, yeah. But basically, one evening, one night, we're in bed, and we're having a conversation. Now, 
the way we're having the conversation is I was lying there and Dave was lying there, but his back was to me. He was like facing the other way, just having a whispered conversation. Nothing, it wasn't a row, it was just conversation. Um, but he was whispering so as not to wake up anybody else in the house, which was good and thoughtful, you know. But because he was lying on his side away from me, I had absolutely no hope of hearing what he was saying. I'd pick up the odd word and try and piece together what this was all about. But I would be like, pardon? What is that? You know, and pardon is a very well-used word in my... And at one point, this is what I have... He has said it's okay. But at one point in his frustration at this particular time, you know, he said to me, will you just go and get yourself a hearing aid? How harsh is that? (laughs) I explained to him what to me seemed pretty obvious, that if he would only turn and look at me, I would stand a lot more, a lot more uh, better chance of being able to hear what he was saying. All he had to do was turn and look at me. And God spoke to me like that. And he said that if only I would look to him, not to my circumstances or experience, I would hear him so much better. Look to him and you might even catch those whispers. When Elijah ran from the threats of Jezebel and hid in a cave on Mount Horab, he heard from the voice of God. Now Elijah was a prophet, so he heard from God frequently, but God wanted to make sure that Elijah heard him. So God whispered. A strong wind, earthquake and fire all passed by Elijah, but God was not in any of them. God was in the still, small voice. God's deepest desires for our lives is that we dwell in his courts, come into a fulfilling relationship with him, decide that we want him more than we want stuff, even if that stuff is good stuff, and tarry in his presence. And maybe, just maybe, we might hear the whispers and remember he hasn't forgotten us. He hasn't forgotten us. We need to keep our focus on him. Now, there was a couple of other things just in praying that I felt God wanted to, me to share with you tonight. So just, uh, if you bear with me, do, but just quickly, uh, realize I've gone on a little bit, which is what I do sometimes. But, um, so two, two main things as well. If this is your experience at the moment or has been your experience, I read a, a running article recently. And it gave a bit of advice for, for others who were planning to run. And one of them said was, if you're planning to run a marathon and you know where you're going to hit the wall, plan to get others to run with you so that they just run with you for a short time. Now, our Jess, when she did her first marathon, it was in Manchester. And John and Ben and Lauren, our daughter-in-law, they all planned uh, together a route where they could hop on and off trams, where they could go and encourage her and support her. You see, she needed that that support and encouragement, not at the start, not where there was all the razzmatazz, ooh, we're doing a marathon, but it was on those long, lonely country lanes where there was nobody there cheering her on that was where she needs somebody saying at the side of the road go on Jess you can do it you can do it she needed it then and each one of us needs that don't we we need times we need when we're fearing 
feeling alone, when we're feeling that we're not getting anywhere, where we're feeling, where is God in all of this? We need others around us. You need to get others around you. You need to get people around you to say, come on, you can do it. Go on, I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to go for you. You know, in the Bible, time and time again, we're encouraged to encourage one another, to stop, to, to keep meeting up together. Why? Because we need, we, this is a race that we're running together. We need others around us who are going to say, yes, you can do it. You know, there are stages in my life that people have been there going, yes, yes, you can do it. And the stages in my life where there's been nobody there and where it's felt lonely and the roads felt long. And I've needed people around me and I've had to reach out to people and say, I can't do this. I need you there with me. It's nothing to be ashamed of, is it? We need others. Others are going to help us in our breakthrough. Are you disappointed with the life that you've been called to? Because that was the other thing that God really laid on my heart. He said, and he said quite clearly, which is ironic when I'm saying, do you hear God? But he said, just ask if they're appreciating and enjoying the journey that I've called them to. You know, um, I love Escape to the Country on the TV and I dream about where I could live. And, and I do know, I have a really good knowledge of house prices. I know house prices across Manchester. Right Move is one of my favourite websites and it's on my phone. Um, I'm quite an expert. Um, I know house prices further afield in more glamorous areas as well. But as I said, we've recently got our dog Milo, um, and that's a whole other story. Um, but what we've discovered is, although we knew it was there, what we've discovered within two minutes' walk of our house, literally um, two minutes, we hit all round the River Irwell um, and Presswich Forest Park, and it is absolutely gorgeous it really is the lake is incredible the river is just I mean particularly in this weather and you know we live just five miles from the city center I really just didn't appreciate I feel or enjoy the beauty of where I'm actually living and that's what I want to ask us tonight are we really enjoying and appreciating the journey that God has laid out for each one of us it's so easy to look around, isn't it? And particularly, I think, with social media. With social media, is brilliant. You know what everybody's doing, or a lot of people are doing. And some people love putting posts and, and everything. And everybody else's life looks so much more exciting, doesn't it? You know, their holidays look amazing. Their children look wild and wonderful. And, and they just seem to have wonderful times, you know. And, and sometimes you start to dis look at their life and get resentful of your life and then things you get disappointed you know God has a unique plan for each of our lives a unique journey and adventure for us to go on envy at the very least can be a distraction at the most it can become destructive you can't fulfill God's purpose for your life if all the time you're looking around at others and envying their lifestyle, their family, their house, their job, and their holidays. Envy takes away your focus from God and for what he wants to do in your life and through you. You start to miss your purpose and your joy. Envy denies you your uniqueness. Be grateful for who you are. 
Proverbs 14, verse 30. A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Psalm 139. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, we've each got a race to run. Part of our breakthrough, I believe, is in understanding that our race is unique to us. We're running it with others. We need to enjoy our race, the journey that God has called to. And I believe that as we look to Jesus, away from our circumstances, away from our disappointments, we look to him, we cry out to him, we... we, Continue to pray, read his word, just surround us with other people who love God. Um, I believe that we will finish this race. I believe we will finish our race and we'll finish it well. I believe that there is breakthrough for each and every one of us. That wherever you are at the moment in your walk with God, whatever you've been through, whatever, even as Mark said this evening, as we felt about people who weren't at peace, you know, whatever's going on in your life, however that might seem big or small, there is breakthrough for you. But you've got to look to Jesus, look away from your circumstances and look to him. As we set afresh our hearts towards him, as we persevere in good times as well and bad, as we give ourselves to one another, as we run that race that God has called us to, we are going to break through. We are, I believe, going to see revival in the city. We are going to see a fresh move of God um, in the church. We are going to see signs and wonders. And when it seems that we're not seeing it, we, I confess, we are. We're going to see those things. Um, we might, might not be as quick as we thought we are, but my, my encouragement, my exhortation is keep going, keep going. Hebrews 12, verse 1 to 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders the sin that so easily entangles and let's run with perseverance the race marked out for each and every one of us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Amen.